Perfect. We're good to go. All right. It says recording in the top corner. Okay. So while I was preparing for this week, um, I was thinking about uh, certain songs that I could think of, the saddest songs I could think of. I don't know about you guys, me and Ashley and a friend of ours one time drove to um, drove to San Francisco and we were coming back. We only listened to sad songs for like five and a half hours. I don't know if you guys are like that. Sometimes it's good to have a good cry. Um, I don't know uh, how many songs I could think of. I went through just a ton of songs. I went, th I was thinking through Someone Like You by Adele, sad song. I was thinking See You Again, Fast and Furious, I know, but of course, genuinely tr very tragic situation there. But the saddest song that I could think of that's just genuinely an excellent song was by the most immortal poets outside the word of God that I could think of. And Ashley will kind of show you what that is. That's the Backstreet Boys. Um, I don't know if you know their hits like I do, but um, yeah, they're a lowly bunch. I, I'll do you guys the favor of not singing the song, um, but as you can even see by the, their faces, they're hiding their loneliness. It's not, it's real. You can see it, Nick, you can see it in his cheek. Uh, you know, uh, Howie D up in the top corner, you can see it in his cheek as well. I can't remember that other dude's name, but in his, in his mouth. And I, I, I have trouble being able to sing those lyrics to you, but you can read them and I, I feel like you'll feel it in your heart. Um, now, to be honest, you know, the main reason I actually wanted to just start um, to start with uh, music and Ashley can go to the next slide too as well, just so it's not too distracting. But to be honest, um, the only reason I want to start uh, with humor is just because this time is really frustrating right now. I think um, the most of you that I've talked to about school, about Thanksgiving plans and stuff, uh, it is a frustrating time. It just is. Um, it's, it's frustrating to know that there's this constant atmosphere of discontentment from the fact that we are back in isolation, the fact that we uh, have to meet in this format, which of course we're thankful for the opportunity to meet in this way, um, but we're not necessarily happy or even content with the idea that we have to do it through a computer screen. We have to um, be disrupted once again from the way that most of us are so used to doing life, the way life was supposed to be lived physically and in person. And because of that, I thought it would be a good idea to uh, just step away from the minor prophets uh, for a bit um, and just spend at least one message um, to just talk to you guys very seriously and hopefully PowerPoint helps with this, just about how important it is to look at the word of God in our circumstances, especially circumstances like this. And so um, because of that, um, if you guys have your Bibles, if you wanna go to Romans chapter one, we're gonna be in Romans chapter one uh, today. And the reason we're gonna be in Romans chapter one, which I hope would be helpful for you is because on a very, very personal level, I think this speaks to our situation because in the same ways that we, I would hope, desire to be together, um, the book of Romans opens um, with this amazing doxology that is an explanation of uh, who God is, what he has done through Jesus Christ. And as it immediately follows, this letter begins with Paul explaining to the people that he is with how much he desires to meet with them. And I think you'll see it when we go uh, through the letter here. In the middle of the third missionary journey of Paul is when this has taken place. Now, you might not know where Paul went for the first two missionary journeys, but 
This third journey, he had already met many, many different people. He'd been to Corinth, he'd been to Thessalonica, he'd been to Ephesus, he'd been to all of the churches in the area of Galatia. And now he was most likely going to the Jewish center of religion. He was going to Jerusalem. And after there, he was going to Macedonia. But in the middle of this time, he had another thought of the people of Rome. The people of Rome were on his heart. And they were on his heart because he had never met them. But he had heard of the fact that they were strong believers in the faith and that even though they were in the center of the modern world at this point in time, they loved the Lord and desired to serve him no matter what the cost was. And because of that, he desired to be with them and to be able to spend time with them, preach to them, teach to them, and encourage them. And so here in Romans chapter 1, verses 8 and 15, Paul begins this letter, this very theological letter, with an explanation of his desire to be with them. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read it below. The words are there on the PowerPoint for you if you need them. But this is Romans chapter 1, verses 8 to 15, where we'll be today. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now, if there's one word that describes that whole section of text, it's longing. Paul longs to be with the people, which of course is not unlike our situation. And because of that, because of the longing and the desire that Paul has to be with fellow believers, I think there's two reasons at least. They can be summed up in a last that I'll say at the end, but there's at least two reasons I think would be helpful to look at this text today. One is because we need to learn and understand the desire that Paul has to be with each other because we should want to be with each other. I think there's many of you listening to this right now who do desire to be together. But I think, to be honest with you, I think there are some of you as well that don't want to be together, that are comfortable with being isolated, that are comfortable with doing your own thing. And my hope is that we could look at the text and see the heart of the Apostle Paul and understand how good it is to be together and the reasons we should desire to be together. So that's the first reason that we would observe the reasons why Paul longed to be with the people so that even while we're apart, we would have a heart for the church and the people of God. And both of these reasons will be on the next slide here. The second reason I think that would be helpful is we don't only need to know reasons why we should meet together, but we need to understand the responsibilities that we have towards each other even while we're apart. The fact is that even though we're not together in a certain format, there are still ways that we are accountable to the people of God. We're accountable to each other. 
And those aren't just ways that we can be nice to each other, but they're ways that God has commanded us to be responsible that because we are his children, we have obligations to the rest of the family of God. And we need to learn those things so that we make the most of this time, even though we're isolated. So that's the second reason. The second reason is that our longing for each other needs to develop into actions of love and encouragement towards each other because we love the God who brought us together. Now, both of these reasons can be summed up very simply, which is this. Paul is explaining the actions and the attitude that we should have when we're away from each other. Paul, in his circumstance, doesn't just sit there and be sad. He understands the obligations that God has called him to. He uses that word at the end of this section of the text in verse uh, 13, verse 14, actually. And because of that, he knows that by the time they finally meet, he has not only already done things for the people, but he is encouraged and planning for himself to do things for the people. And so because of that, in a nutshell, this passage could be summed up this way. In the next slide, I'll show you the nutshell. This is the main point that we're going to hit in this passage, which is this. I want us to look at four obedient acts to God while we're apart so that our desire for fellowship would result in devoted action and attitude. So there's four actions and attitudes that we are supposed to have because we long to serve and glorify God primarily. And as a consequence, we long and desire to be with his people. So I want to look at four things that this text says that demonstrate that we would want to be obedient to God. We're going to look at four things and all of them word for word are mentioned in the text. So the next slide will show the first thing, which is thankfulness. The first reason we should want to be together is because we are thankful. Now, Paul begins this text, you can see in verse eight, he begins with saying, first things first. First things first, I miss you, but I'm still thankful. Listen to the words of verse eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Paul talks about his thankfulness in two different ways. And you can see that in the PowerPoint there. You can see the first way he's thankful is towards God. He's thankful that God has provided a way that we can be thankful. He's provided access in this text, he says, through his son, that his son, Jesus Christ, has not only saved us, but given us everything we could ever need, all the knowledge claims, all the spiritual benefits, all of the blessings that we could ever want. And as a result of that, we are thankful people to God first. But the second thing is he says what he is thankful for. And what he is thankful for is their faith. Now, in trying to explain to you why Paul is thankful for their faith, let me explain a little context to you. In the next slide, you'll see some pictures of Alexander the Great. Now, I think many of you have heard about Alexander the Great. He was 200 years before Christ. And of course, you know him as a ruler, uh, as a king of Greece, but he was also the king of pretty much the entire modern world at this point. He conquered many, many places. And listen, he was by no means a Christian. He was a pagan king who loved to bring in idols and other foreign ideas and foreign gods. Many of them had immoral ideas and bring them into the center of the known world at that time, into Alexandria. And he also was so pagan, he was so sinful in particular, that he considered himself to be a god. And so the question you might ask, the question that I have on the slide there, 
is how could Alexander the Great be considered someone used by God? Why is that statement there? Well, the reason is because Alexander the Great in creating and conquering the entire known world actually brought a level of communication that the world had never known at this point. He united the nations in one way by creating a new language. He created a common vernacular, a common language called Koine Greek. And because of that, people from all over the place could speak the same language. And the reason that they even learned the same language is because he also created roadway systems. Before it used to be, if you wanna go from point A to point B, most likely someone said, okay, rent a camel, go across the desert and I hope you get there. But the way Alexander operated is everywhere he went, he got people to start creating ro road systems. And now if you wanted to go somewhere, you just had to take a left on Alexander Road and then take a right onto Alexander Horse's Way and then take a left onto Roman Avenue and you were suddenly there. Now it took a long time, but you could hop on a caravan and actually get to where you wanted to go. And it wasn't just roads, it was ports. It was systems in major cities and sometimes just general cities that Alexander liked where you could actually get on a boat for the first time and you could go where you wanted to go. You could pay a fee and you could get to the place that you needed to go. And because of that, God actually used him he used Alexander the Great 150 to 200 years before Christ and about 250 years before Paul to spread the message of Jesus Christ throughout the world. By the time Jesus came and died for our sins, he'd used Alexander the Great to connect the world in such a way that that message can now be proclaimed all over the place. And that's what that statement means in this text in verse 8, that he proclaimed that message in the, all of the world. Now, that doesn't mean that the Romans had the greatest faith of anyone in the known world, not necessarily. Places like Thessalonica were churches that had this solidified and deep faith and obedience and appreciation for God. You may have also heard of the Bereans, the church in Berea, where they studied the scriptures diligently. They were obviously devoted church as well. But the point that he's making is that the world can actually hear about your faith because it's now been created, it's been connected in this way that everyone from all over the place can hear about other Christians. And Paul is saying that in this particular moment, other Christians in the known world have heard about the Romans' faith, including Paul himself. And as a result, they're encouraged and they're thankful for God. And what are they thankful for? He says it very clearly right here. He says he's thankful for their faith. And the question for us is very, very simple. It's at the bottom of the screen. It's ask yourself the question, what are you most thankful for in our ministry? What are you most thankful for in Roots? There's many things to be thankful for, I hope. I hope you're thankful for the fact that you can have friends there, that you can talk with people and converse about whatever you'd like to converse about, whether it be music or movies or what's been going on in your week or hobbies that you're undertaking. We can be thankful for having fun to be able to play games I hope Quiplash is fun enough for right now, considering our limitations, but even just being able to have a simple conversation with somebody face-to-face -face and to be able to dialogue and to enjoy the partnership that God has brought us into. Maybe it's just as simple like me, just being able to have snacks, to be able to get away with someone not breathing down your back and be able to kind of eat more than maybe your parents would allow you to eat. I, don't, I honestly don't know. And maybe you're thankful for all those things. I hope you are. But the point is that what you should be most thankful for is the faith of the people around you. What you should be most faithful for 
is the fact that God has provided an access to himself, not only in yourself, but in the people around you. The best reason I could possibly think of to be thankful, and the reason that Paul is thankful here, is that dead people have been raised to life. People who were once captivated and captured and imprisoned by sin are now freed from that sin and be able to freely live and obey Christ for the first time. For the first time, people around you used to not understand anything about how this world worked and had absolutely no hope either now or in the future, and especially had no hope upon their own deaths. But now all of us have the opportunity to be thankful for the fact that we do have hope, the fact that we do have the availability to have a reconciled relationship with God. And my question for you is, is that what you are most thankful for? Has this time been so frustrating for you that the attitude of faithfulness and the attitude of thankfulness has completely went you by? And what I want to tell you is you still have every reason possible to be thankful because though we are separated from each other, we are not separated from God. God has provided access to himself and by faith, we can lay hold of that. And we have every reason in the world to not sit around and be discouraged but we can be thankful that God has adopted us into the same family. So that's very simply the first point that we need to be thankful during this period. And the second point is very straightforward as well. Paul says that we must also pray. If we are to be obedient, we must be people of prayer. Look at verses nine to 10. For God is my witness who I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Out ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Now, I assume that most of you guys probably know the importance of prayer, but consider the way that Paul explains his prayer life specifically in this passage. First of all, he says, God is my witness. That's an exclamation of sincerity. He's making it clear that he's trying to encourage them. He's saying, God is watching me right now, and he knows that I'm speaking the truth to you. And he doubles down on that by saying, God whom I serve with my spirit. Now, just like he was thankful to God, he's expressing his service to God, the fact that he's devoted to God first, and as a consequence of that, devoted to God's people. And when he says, in my spirit, he's saying that service comes from the deepest place in my heart, the most devoted place in my soul. I serve you with all the greatest part of me. So all he's trying to do is encourage them with the honesty by which he serves them. And the way he serves them is an unceasing prayer always. Obviously, both of those words kind of pack a punch in this context. And when he says unceasingly and always, he doesn't mean he's literally on his knees 24 hours a day doing absolutely nothing. But what he's saying is the constant thing in his brain and the constant habit and schedule that he has for himself is that he prays for the Roman Christians not just anybody, but he prays for them. He prays for their hearts, their souls, and their minds and their strengths to be devoted to God. But most importantly, he prays that he would see them again. Again, I hope that the application here is relatively straightforward, which is this. Have you prayed for us to meet again? Have you recognized that through salvation, you have been granted access to God And that you can pray to God and ask him, Lord, I pray that we would be able to meet again. 
And listen, if you are frustrated, then you are among company in the Bible. If you are frustrated and don't want to pray to God, you should know that some of the greatest prayers in the Bible came from people who were frustrated. In Psalm 13, like the next slide shows, David was a man who prayed honestly to God in a hard moment of his life and even told God directly, I don't think you hear me because my circumstances are still difficult. And Asaph, another man of God, said the exact same thing in a different way, in a different circumstance in Psalm 73. His frustration was he didn't think God noticed that there were wicked people in the earth who were successful and happy. And so Asaph, in bitterness, asks God, why is it that people who hate you do so well in life? And both of these men are coming from a similar place as Paul. Paul is asking God, I'm happy to do the ministry that you have called me to do, but why can't I go to Rome? Why can't I meet these people that I desire to meet? But he doesn't stop there in his frustration because he recognizes that God has sovereignly told him to go to Jerusalem first. And so when he prays, he prays acknowledging that God has a better plan for him and God will hear his honest prayers. And listen, David and Asaph were the exact same way. David in Psalms 13 cried out to God, though I am currently needy and I don't understand your plan, God, I know that you will deal bountifully with me. In Psalm 73, Asaph cries out, though I know that the wicked currently feel comfortable, I know that a day of judgment is coming and you will judge and punish those people. And I am going to trust that to your schedule. I'm going to trust that judgment will come by your hand. And Paul in the same way, cries out to God in his prayers, though I can't be with you now, I'm praying to God that somehow in his infinite wisdom would make it possible that one day I will see you. So Paul very quickly in only two verses lines up three things of his prayer that are so important for us to understand. One is he recognizes the control of God over everything. He is not ignorant that God is in control of his circumstances. And that even though Paul doesn't understand it now, he's going to work it for his good and for the good of many people who have never heard of Christ and will one day become Christians. But he also recognizes that in his frustration, he will turn to God honestly. He's not going to hold anything back. He's going to tell God exactly how he's feeling and ask God to change his heart and to reveal to him the good purposes that God has for him. And the third is that he recognizes that though he doesn't understand the way God is working in this point, God is going to work through the prayers of his people. That though God is not affected by our prayers in the sense that we can change God's mind, God has said that he has ordained our prayers already, that he has determined that they will happen. And he's going to use those prayers as the means by which his blessing will pour out to his people. And listen, if you don't think it's possible to meet again, Paul trusted God, prayed honestly, that God would ordain his steps appropriately. And guess what? The book of Acts, the story of how the church came to be, it ends with Paul in Rome. It ends with Paul meeting the church. On the screen, you'll see the last two verses in Acts that say this. He, that is Paul, lived two whole years that is living in Rome, at his own expense. And he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul was so thankful that God had 
granted it good to fulfill his prayer that he could see the Roman people, that he did everything he could to minister to them in that period. And so the point for us is clear. We need to pray that God would allow us to meet again, that God would allow either the solution quickly of COVID-19, the solution at whatever political level needs to happen, that we can meet again in safety and in good conscience, whichever one comes first, that God would provide the way that we would be able to see each other again. And until that point, that we would pray that God would transform our hearts to deeper and deeper love for him and his people so that when we do meet, we would minister to each other appropriately. So the two things we know so far is that we should be thankful. We should be prayerful people. So let me explain to you the third. How is it that we're supposed to be obedient when we can't see each other yet? Well, the third is we should be people of encouragement, that we need to encourage one another. Look at verses 11 and 12. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged, that we may both be encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So Paul says, even though I desire to come to you to strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what he says in verse 11, even though I know I've been called by God as an apostle to preach to you and teach to you the word of God, he is humble enough to be honest with the people. I am also longing to come and be served by you. I long to see you not only to teach you, but to be served by you because you are an encouraging people. Because that is what happens when God brings together a body of believers who are transformed by the word of God, love God, and therefore love and encourage his people. Now, I've been with you guys for about three months. And to be honest, I was very excited to see this because I understand what Paul means by wanting to be mutually encouraged. I've been with you guys long enough to know how encouraging it is to be with you every single Friday night. I remember, as I know Francis and Will will remember, the very first time I got to go to a beach day with you guys, with Kindred, and we got into a really hilarious and heated debate about what is the best fry. And I remember how hilariously fun that was and how encouraging it was to have the first kind of discussion I've ever got to have with anybody here. I remember how encouraged I was, not only on my birthday, but on so many other occasions where a whole bunch of you guys just randomly gave me cards. I think Emily Anderson has given me like three or four cards at this point. And every time I've ever received a card from anybody, it has been seriously encouraging. I remember the first time I was thinking with Ashley, I wonder who I'm going to talk to about books and how much I enjoy reading books. And ironically enough, the first person who approached me was Eliana. I remember me and Ashley talked about it that same night. She got to come up to us and start telling us all of the books that she's been reading. And I was so thankful that I could finally talk to someone about how good it is to read a book. And I remember too, because... Honestly, I could be here forever just saying anecdote after anecdote. But I also remember a Sunday morning where Cademan and Josh Furco and Elliot came up to me and started explaining to me every single root story that I'd never heard of before. That was at a time that I wasn't here, but that I really wished to be here. And hearing about all of these hilarious times that they got to have and being encouraged that they wanted to get me into the history of this ministry. And listen, all of those things are incredibly encouraging. And the more I think about them, the more excited I am to meet together once more, and also the more frustrated I am that the fact that we can't see each other in the way that we want to. But the point is, 
that we don't only understand the command to be encouraging, but that we should long to be encourage, encouraging and we should miss the encouragement of the church. Near the end of Romans, in Romans 15, 32, Paul says he desires to come to them with joy because by God's will, in your company, I would be refreshed. I would be refreshed. And this is the point of the encouragement of the other people in faith. This is the point that Paul's trying to make here. You can only be refreshed with real encouragement if you're refreshed by the right substance. The only way you could ever be refreshed and encouraged by the fellowship of God is if you're refreshed and encouraged by people who have drunk from the well of the word of God. The only way you can understand refreshment and refresh other people is if you give them living water, which Peter says are the words of eternal life. Simply put, if you are not a transformed person, it is hard to feel encouragement or be encouraged because all of the deepest and greatest encouragement we could ever find is made in the Bible and we are commanded and delightfully obedient to the call that God gives us to encourage the people of God. The next slide will show you a number of the best verses I could find that talk about the encouragement that believers have when they meet together. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We are called to do good to everyone because we've been given the good news. We've been given the gospel. But even more so, we are supposed to encourage the people who already understand the good news because it is going to be a continually refreshing word to us that will keep us going even during this time. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 says this, So being affectionately desirous of you, that's just being incredibly desirous of meeting with you, being incredibly pumped to finally meet again. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Paul is saying he loved the people, that is him and all of the apostles, all of the disciples, loved the church of Thessalonica so much that they would die for them. No matter what the cost was to themselves, they would do anything it took to encourage the other people. And finally, in 1 Peter 1.22, which I think is maybe the best verse that we could think of for our hearts, says this. Having purified your souls, that is God being the one who has purified your souls, by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere and brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That is probably the best explanation we could have for our text, which is this, you need a pure heart to encourage each other. You need a heart that has been transformed by God that recognizes that the greatest encouragement we could ever give each other is the word of God and the truths of God. And you might ask yourselves, how on earth can I do it in this time? Well, listen, I understand we're not physically meeting, but on a Sunday morning when we're outside, when we're still meeting, take the time not only to talk to each other about whatever it is that you wanna talk about, but spend enough time in the word of God maybe even five minutes and share what you've read with somebody else that you talk to someone else in this ministry and tell them how encouraging it was to you in this week in which you found hope in it and you found life in it or explain to them the way that the verse finally made sense to you. It used to be confusing, but now it's starting to make sense, which is an evidence of the Holy spirit working in your heart. Find other ways to remind people of the truth of God 
If you've learned anything from the minor prophets, if it has been helpful for you, explain to someone else something that you found in there that was an encouragement to your soul so that you can encourage someone else with it. Listen, even kind words to each other can be nice. Complimenting someone on the way they dress, complimenting someone on a skill that they have, or just being kind to them in general, that can all be genuine encouragement. But the greatest of those encouragements comes honestly with a desire for them to be a more mature believer, that they would grow more and more in the knowledge of God so that they would grow and give more glory to God. That is the command that we have. Now listen, me and Ashley are very thankful to have many different friends that we've met, especially since we've been here in California. But this Friday morning, I had a call with two friends of mine from seminary. And I'll tell you honestly, that I have lots of friends. We talk about lots of different things. I have friends that we talk almost exclusively about movies. I have friends I play video games with, even though we're apart. But these two friends in particularly, pretty much every second that we spend together, we just naturally talk about ministry. We just naturally talk about how good God is, what we've been learning, and we teach and preach to each other. And every time I finish talking with them, I almost cry. And my hope is that you have friends like that. My hope is that you have friends that when you are with them, when you are talking to them, and when they talk to you, that you would long to be with God more, and that you would long to be a holier person, that they explain to you the good truth, the good truths of the Bible, and so that you can grow in more contentment and understand more hope that you can have even in this time. And that even more than that, you would plan as best as you can to encourage the people of God when you're away from them so that when you see them, we would grow into a greater knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is the hope that Paul had for the Romans. And that is the hope that we as a leadership team have for you guys. So that's at least three. That we are to encourage the people of God, though we are away. We are to pray for the people of God so that we can meet together again And also we are supposed to thank God for the faith that he has provided for us and the fellowship that he has brought together for us. And there's one last one that I want to point to. The last point is the proclamation. The last obedient thing that we can do is be people who proclaim. And verse 13 and 15 explain the kind of proclamation, the kind of preaching, the kind of teaching, the kind of word that we are supposed to say. Verse 13 and 15 say this. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far I have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome." Now, on first glance, it might seem like this point is just the same as the first point, that we're just thankful for faith. But here he explains the kind of faith or faith in what? And that is a faith based on the gospel. The reason that Paul is not with them is because he is preaching the gospel to all of the nations in all of the known world. Anywhere that he could possibly go, God is sending him to preach the good news of salvation to people who don't know it 
And he mentions a massive group of people in this text. He mentions among you, that is the people in Rome. He says the Gentiles. He says Jews. He says barbarians, those who are wise and those who are foolish. And then he repeats again, you people in Rome. And what he's saying in summary is basically all people around the world, I am gone because God has ordained me as a minister of the gospel to preach to all of these people. It's just like we've been learning in the minor prophets that God was providing a way by which not only the Jewish people would know God and have a relationship with God, but people who culturally have no connection with the Jewish people, they would have access to God through as well. And that was through the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, you might think that point is irrelevant to us for two reasons. One, you're going to say, I'm not the Apostle Paul. I haven't been called to preach the gospel to every nation. And the other thing you might say is, well, I'm isolated. I can't preach the gospel to anyone. And I want to tell you honestly, both of those things are not true. You're right. You're not an apostle. But you have been commanded to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations if you call yourself a Christian. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, say that from Jesus's own mouth, that you are to go out and explain this to anyone you don't know. And I know that we are isolated and I know that we are confined, but I promise you there is someone around you who needs to hear the gospel and that person has never heard the gospel in their entire life. I don't know if it's your Starbucks barista. I don't know if it's the person in line with you at In-N-Out or at Sonic. I'm just mentioning the two best burger places in my opinion. I don't know if it happens to be a family member that you get to have Thanksgiving with. I don't know if it's someone that you get to Zoom with during this time. I don't know if it's someone who's in your class. Maybe it's even your teacher. I don't know who it is, but I will promise you that it is somebody. Someone around you needs to hear the gospel. And you know what? During this time in particular, they desperately need it more than ever. As isolated as you might feel, there are people all over the place who have never heard the gospel, have absolutely no hope, and they feel more isolated than ever because they have no community. Those are the people that desperately need the gospel, and I pray that God would put them into your path, and that you would be the means by which the Spirit of God would transform someone's heart to have a hope that they've never had before. I think the cool thing about this passage is Paul doesn't even just isolate it to people who have never heard the gospel. He says the people in Rome, the people he's writing to. That means he's saying you are to proclaim the gospel to believers as well. And the point of that in verse 15 and verse 13, that he desires to come to them and preach the gospel is this. You could know the gospel in terms of information, but you might not know the gospel in terms of your heart. I think so many of us are prone those of us who grew up in the church, to have a data center full of all sorts of biblical knowledges and biblical truths and all sorts of things. But we've heard it so much, we just take it for granted and it means absolutely nothing for us. And I will tell you this, if you don't feel like you wanna do any of these things, you would rather do things for yourself. Or if you feel like this is the hardest point in your life, that you feel like there's absolutely no hope that we will ever meet together, if you are one of those two people, then you might not be someone who knows the gospel. And so the gospel, very simply, is this. That all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God created us to be his image, his likeness, to be exactly like him and to worship him. 
And ever since Adam and Eve bit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, we have fallen short of that standard. And because God is a good judge, he must punish us for our sins because we love sin and we hate God. But God sent Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, his very son to pay the ultimate cost, which was to be punished, not physically on the cross, but spiritually from the wrath of God poured out upon him. And because of that, he would take the punishment that we deserved. But what he also did is he lived a perfect life. His entire life, his entire earthly ministry, Christ never sinned once because that is what God desired and demanded of all mankind. And because Christ did it, he said that he would take that righteousness, that perfect life, and he would give it to us and he would give it for free. And the reason he could give it for free is because he paid the price, not us. And because of those two requirements, he has demanded that all people everywhere, like it says in Acts 17, verse 30, that all men everywhere would repent, that is, turn away from their sin, and they would come to Christ. Not that we would live perfect lives because God gave us that in Christ, but that we would come to understand the truth of the Bible and be transformed from the heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we would come to God. And because of that, we would want to proclaim the gospel to as many other people as we know. And we would proclaim it to people in the church because some of them do not know the gospel and some of them are burdened and forgetting of the gospel because of how much things are going on in their own life right now. This is a hard time. And there is only one truth that is going to save us and keep us hopeful in this period. And it is that God has provided salvation for men through Jesus Christ, and he has unified us into a community that can be thankful to God, pray for each other, encourage each other, and continue to proclaim the gospel. All four of those things God has given us access to, and he's given ability for us to do it joyfully. And I think that joy is kind of summed up in the fact that we have unity, that we have fellowship together. That's explained very clearly in the last thing I want to tell you, which is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6 that there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. I don't know how this period has been for you. I don't know if it is just frustrating or it is overwhelmingly painful. I don't know. But if it is, I would pray that, first of all, you would understand the unity that the fellowship of God has granted. If you don't know the gospel, the people in this group who do know the gospel want to minister to you. If you don't know who they are, talk to us as leaders. We want to encourage you and we want to build you up. But what we are building you towards is not our encouragement, but the greatest encouragement we could give you, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ that you will never have to worry about what happens after death. You will never have to worry about the eternal punishment that God demands of all sinners. But instead, you would be hopeful that one day, not only you would be spared from judgment, but that you would be encouraged to live life with the person who loves you more than anyone else in this entire world, and that is God. And until then, he has granted the church. This fellowship this extension of the youth of a greater body of believers, Cornerstone Bible Church, that he has granted them to build you up and to point you to Christ 
so that you could get through this time. And as a result, we would be mutually encouraged together by each other's faith that all of us have a hope that we can survive this time, that no matter what is coming, we would be encouraged to know that Christ died for sinners like us. So remember those four things that God calls us to do right now. We are to be thankful to God for the faith that he has given us. We are to pray to God that we could meet once more. He has promised that he is a God who loves to fulfill prayer that we would also mutually encourage each other that by whatever means we have, we would desire to build up other people and especially in the faith. And the fourth thing is that we would desire to proclaim the gospel both to those in and outside of the church that the body of believers would continue to grow and all of us would be able to have joy even amidst isolation. And with that, let's pray. God, you are an immensely good God, and we are so thankful for you and the ways that you have provided salvation for us. I just pray that, I hope that the message that Paul has in Romans would affect us today. I pray that the message of the Bible would turn our hearts to you, people who never desired you and never loved you, though you are worthy of all praise and adoration because you are a good God and a good creator and you created everything good. And the only reason there's problems in the world is because of mankind. We desired sin instead of you, but you have put a plan in place that is perfectly scheduled and perfectly ordained by you, by which we would come to a knowledge of you. We would come into a relationship with you, a growing friendship with you, a fatherhood that you have given us, all of us being adopted into your loving family. And we pray during this time, you would continue to edify us with those truths stir our hearts to come to you, to understand the beautiful truths you've provided in your word, that we would come to you in thankfulness, in prayer, in encouragement, and in a continued desire to proclaim the gospel ever further, that we would love to look at the face of your son Christ and know that one day we will spend eternity with him in perfect unity, without sin, without blemish, with robes that are washed white as snow, have no hindrance to a perfect life of joy simply because you are gracious to us. Let those things edify us and stir our hearts towards you and let them set a pattern for us during this time of isolation that nothing would stop us from having joy in you and joy together. We pray all those things in your name. Amen. Thank you guys as always for your listening. I'm very thankful for you guys, and I hope that this is helpful. If you have any questions, uh, we're going to uh, break out into a time of, um, of small groups. And so, uh, Ashley, if you want to stop the recording, and then if you want to make Sam the host, uh, and then Sam is going to...